You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Transplantation, produced in cooperation with Indiana University Health, covering current issues and practices in transplant medicine. IU Health, discover the strength of a leading national transplant center. Your host is Dr. Aaron Carroll, Associate Professor of Pediatrics, Director of the Center for Health Policy and Professionalism Research, and Associate Director of Children's Health Services Research at Indiana University School of Medicine. How does the Lung Allocation Score System prioritize potential transplant candidates? Our guest today is Dr. John Reynolds, Medical Director of the Indiana University Health Lung Transplant Program. Dr. Reynolds, welcome. It's good to be here. Thank you. What conditions might make someone a candidate for a lung transplant? We get referred quite a few patients for various lung diseases, pulmonary fibrosis, cystic fibrosis, emphysema, alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, pulmonary hypertension, sarcoidosis. Those would primarily be the major types of lung diseases we get referred. Does any subset of those, or is there any one in particular which is perhaps the most common reason that people might undergo a lung transplant? Statistically, emphysema had been the highest percentage nationwide, worldwide, under the new allocation system that's changed in pulmonary fibrosis is approaching emphysema for the most transplanted per year. How ill does a patient need to be before they're seriously considered for a lung transplant? It's a good question. It's something that we've tried to adjust and account for to optimize utilization of a lung transplant given outcomes to give folks the best potential benefit from a lung transplant. We have a higher comorbidities, uh, mortality compared with other organs, kidney, heart, liver. So in terms of obtaining the best result, if we transplant people too soon, before they reach the end stage of their lung disease, their total quantity of life may not be as much. So that makes us different from other organs. So we try not to transplant people too quickly. So the question is, how do you assess patients to determine the optimal time frame to transplant them? Obviously, if you wait too late, then they're too sick to undergo transplantation. If you jump in too soon and you transplant them too early, then you're doing the patient an overall disservice because their overall quantity of life could be potentially reduced. There was a, uh, it's a bit dated, but a publication in 1998 in The Lancet revealed this for emphysema, that at that time, and it was a different way that we approached transplant in terms of the wait list, if you would take the group of folks with emphysema who would be transplanted, compared them with the people who were not transplanted, the outcomes in terms of years of survival were the same. And so the feeling would be if you would wait to transplant folks with emphysema, then overall you could benefit that population better. Can you tell us something about how the lung allocation score system works in the United States? In other words, how does it prioritize patients for lung transplants? So in May of 2005, the current system that we have was put in place. And for various reasons, one that I mentioned with emphysema and then others we weren't stratifying and ranking our patients well enough. Prior to May of 2005, the ranking was completely by wait time, with some just modest allocation for 
a lung disease like pulmonary fibrosis, you would get credited 90 days. But otherwise, your ranking was merely based on the amount of time you spent on the wait list. So if somebody had a rapidly deteriorating lung disease, if they were a late referral, then there wasn't anything that we could do for them on the wait list. And so you would potentially have a high wait list mortality. To correct those aspects of the wait list that weren't in the patient's best interest, the lung allocation score was implemented in May of 2005. And what it will do is tries to balance urgency of a lung patient, utility or the likelihood of survival after a transplant with their lung condition to get the best outcome. And statistically based on hazard ratios, normalized from a scale to 1 to 100, that's where our lung allocation score comes from, trying essentially to balance urgency, how sick a lung patient is, with utility, their outcome post-transplant. Is the score on the system something that's national, or is it state-based, or is it even more local than that? That's a good question. So we have one organ procurement organization in Indiana, IOPO, and they procure organs for the state of Indiana. The organs essentially are offered within the state first. So the programs within the state have the first opportunity to review the donor decide whether they want to accept the organs or not. And then if the program takes them, they obviously keep them. If they decline, then they can be offered into a local region and then beyond that nationwide. Does how a patient might do how successful they are following lung transplant factor into their allocation score? It does. In terms of their workup, they will have testing done to assess how sick they are, and what their need is for transplant at this time. But then different lung diseases can have statistically different outcomes. And so there's testing done for that as well. And so both aspects are incorporated into the lung allocation score. What kind of tests are done in order to determine a lung allocation score? There'll be pulmonary function testing performed to get the force vital capacity, a right heart catheterization to determine folks pulmonary artery pressures, their diastolic pressure, their pulmonary artery mean wedge pressure, their body mass index, a six-minute walk distance, their serum creatinine. These will all be incorporated into the lung allocation score. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Transplantation on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Carroll. Our guest today is Dr. John Reynolds, Medical Director of the Indiana University Health Lung Transplant Program. We're discussing lung allocation and who's transplanted. Dr. Reynolds, does a candidate's time on the wait list factor at all into his or her allocation score? Essentially not. Uh, Prior to May of 2005, as we mentioned earlier, it had everything to do with where a patient was ranked. Now it essentially is a non-factor. The lung allocation score again, is a normalized 0 to 100, predicting how well a patient will do, what they're both balancing urgency, how long they would expected to live up till transplant, how well they will do post-transplant, and that determines their ranking. It's a number from 0 to 100, but it's taken to four decimal places. So the likelihood of patients having the same number is extremely low. The higher your number is, is how you're ranked within your blood type. If 
you have the same number out to four decimal places, which is going to be extremely unlikely, then they will look at time on the waiting list. So technically the answer is yes, you potentially could have an impact of wait time, but practically the answer is no. So if it comes out to four decimal places, I'm imagining that there must be a very specific algorithm that determines exactly what the score is. Is that something that you perform locally or you just feed the information into a big computer somewhere? How does that work? UNOS, the Network for Organ Sharing, has come up with this algorithm that you mentioned. It's essentially a computer program that the transplant coordinators will take all of the data from the workup tests we mentioned, pulmonary function testing, the right heart catheterization, six-minute walk distance, and then they will put the numbers in for that program to crunch it according to the algorithm, and it spits out that number. That number is in a constant state of flux. We will adjust, see patients, and follow up every three to six months. We're required to update each patient's score every six months. So there's certain testing. We don't put them through the whole workup, but certain aspects that are likely to change, force vital capacity from their breathing test, six-minute walk distance, amount of oxygen they require, these can all be incorporated into that equation, and then that will change potentially their lung allocation score. So that, plus we're always adding new patients in, the LAS score and then the ranking per blood type is constantly changing. So if a patient deteriorates or perhaps even gets better, I suppose, before the six-month time, do you assign a new score then, or is it really you just wait every six months? We will change the score. So if we get a call from a patient, they contact our coordinator, they were admitted, or, hey, I'm feeling a lot worse, then we'll ask them to come in. If they're sick enough to be admitted, then we'll admit them and evaluate them, try to tune them up. Either way, whether inpatient or outpatient, we'll assess, do not repeating all the testing, some of the basic parameters, and then if things have changed significantly, usually it's for the worst. But that will change their lung allocation score and potentially change their ranking on the list. And the transplant coordinators will plug those numbers into the algorithm and we get our new score. How effective do you feel this system is in correctly allocating lungs to patients most in need of transplant? It's done a pretty good job. We've seen a change in the folks who had no way of moving up the list when they were very sick rapidly declining lung disease like pulmonary fibrosis, pulmonary hypertension. If they were referred late or if they were just declining quickly, we couldn't do anything about it. So those patients preferentially, as part of the algorithm, will be ranked higher. So we've seen a decline in the wait time, the waiting list mortality, which has been a benefit. There's some tweaking that probably should be done to probably benefit the patients overall. There's only been one change that I'm aware of since the lung allocation score went into effect in May of 2005, and I believe it was in the fall of 2008, we incorporated the PCO2 measurement from a blood gas, and that can be a venous blood gas. But that's been the only modification. We're told that the UNOS and different regulatory committees are constantly evaluating the data to try to fine-tune the LAS, the lung allocation score, to benefit the patients as much as possible but we've only seen one change. There's talk about incorporating total bilirubin into it, but that hasn't actually been done yet. Uh, having said that, that there's only been one change, I think overall 
for all of our referrals and patients on the waiting list, it's done what it was designed to do. And it truly is getting the sicker people at the top of the wait list to be transplanted sooner. Now, there's other aspects. Just because you're number one on the list or near the top of the list doesn't mean that you'll be transplanted. The LAS is for each blood type. There's four blood types, so you're ranked according to your LAS within your blood type. There's other factors. There's something called a panel reactive antibody, a PRA, that measures essentially human antibodies. Folks could have developed these usually from prior transfusion of a blood product, women giving birth. If you have these antibodies, you are at high risk for rejection, which is not a good thing, and we want to avoid in the transplant arena. So sometimes we have to skip over people, even if they are number one on the wait list, because of a positive PRA. Size of the lungs is also a factor. So there's several variables that are incorporated into choosing a good match. Overall, it has done what it was designed to do, and the sicker people are getting transplanted sooner. What is the typical wait time, then, to get a lung transplant? And I suppose it would be different for those who are obviously at the top and the bottom of the list, but if you could speak to that. Yeah, that varies by program, by region, depending on what primarily disease states you transplant. Since the beginning of January 2010, so essentially the last year and a half, we've had about a 40% transplant rate of our patients being pulmonary fibrosis, 30% emphysema, 10% CF. Uh, Some of those folks wait about a week. One lady in particular who had the high positive PRA panel reactive antibody I mentioned, she was about 85%. She was on the wait list six years. So that skews the data when you get somebody with a six thrown in there. For last year, 2010, our average wait time was eight to nine months. Again, skewed somewhat for some of the longer waiting people. But again, that will vary by program and by region. We're trying to reduce down that wait list time. And a lot of that just determines on how many people are referred to you, what their lung diseases are, and when is the appropriate time to activate them on the waiting list. We've been talking with Dr. John Reynolds about lung allocation and who's transplanted. Dr. Reynolds, thank you for being our guest. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to Advances in Transplantation on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. This program is produced in cooperation with Indiana University Health, the strength of a leading national transplant center. Discover the strength at iuhealth.org forward slash transplant. To find more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.